everyone. I'm Paige Smith with After School, a podcast project from Simon Fraser University's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology. After School showcases FCAT alumni in traditional and unconventional career paths across communications, interactive art and technology, contemporary arts, publishing, and digital media. We would like to respectfully acknowledge the Musqueam, Squamish, Tsleil-Waututh, Katsi, Coquitlam, Kakat, Kwantlen, Semiama, and Tawasin peoples whose unceded traditional territories our three campuses reside. Hi, my name is Chloe Narcisse Velasquez, a SFUCF student, and I am your host for this episode. As the creative field continues to grow, there are plenty of opportunities, but at the same time, many designers arise. I sit down with our CN alumna, Sarah Milosavic, a compositor for Nice Stuff BFX, to talk about standing out from a crowd of creatives and building your creative confidence. Please welcome Sarah Milosavic. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Chloe. Would you like to introduce yourself? I am a compositor currently at Nice VFX. I graduated from SEAT just over a year ago and sort of did another bit of schooling and have been working in the industry for the last two months. Thank you for joining me, Sarah. So let's begin by expanding on your career path. Could you tell us about your career journey and what is your current position? I guess I have a little bit of a unique story because I switched fields and industries many times throughout my journey of finding sort of what is my passion. Before actually I got into SEAT, I was going to go into architecture and it just didn't sit right with me, I guess. And then I, I found SEAT and I realized that like this is exactly what I need. The combination of like the creative side of things, but also the technical side of things really appealed to me. And I thought that, that was the best way for me to combine all of my passions in one. So going through SEAT, one of the things that I appreciated and admired the most was the opportunity to learn so many different things in so many different industries. So taking classes in design, interactive systems, and in media arts, I really got to a little bit of a taste of every field and, and different things that some things that I liked, some things that I didn't like, and that really helped me grow as a person. I also did a lot of volunteering throughout and co-ops trying to test out, again, what is my passion and what do I like. Did a few graphic design co-ops and they were wonderful and I learned a lot, but I also learned that graphic design is, is not for me. So once I sort of made that realization late into my fourth year, I started to pivot and think about what is it that I like. Then I decided to do the concentration of interactive systems where I took a compositing class. There I learned about the theory of compositing and I realized that this is really interesting to me. I've always wanted to be an animator. When I learned about compositing and the other fields or the other job titles that you could have in the film industry, that really sort of opened my eyes. And from there, I took a, another certificate after SEAT to really hone in my skills in compositing. And that's sort of what led me to where I am today. That is quite a journey. I also sort of relate to you since it was my dream to become an architecture since I was little. It still is now. But I joined SEAT not just because I really like design, but SEAT is such a diverse creative field and there is so much to learn about. I'm really interested in your job as a compositor. So could you briefly explain what compositing is? 
So I work in visual effects, essentially. What I like to say, my kind of like one sentence explanation is it's Photoshop for video. I work where I create films, TV shows, anything of the sort. And our job really varies quite a lot. We kind of touch on everything. A compositor sort of has the final touch on a shot. So somebody else, let's say, is creating the animation. Somebody else is creating some visual effects. And there's also an actor involved. My job would be to put them all together in the final shot and make sure that everybody looks like they belong in the shot. Let's say if there's like a real actor and there's also like an animated character, putting them together so that they actually interact and it looks real. But we do a lot of random things as well, you know, like green screens, replacing background, taking out wires, aging somebody or or getting rid of their wrinkles and airbrushing them. Yeah, it's a big variety of what you do, which is really great because you are never bored and you always have very different and unique shots that you're working on. Is it a back and forth communication between you and the animators and those who do visual effects? Like talk about what needs to be done and stuff like that? Or is it stage by stage? It definitely depends on the company that you're in. I'm currently in a very small company where our, you know, there's maybe 10 to 15 of us. And I think that that is beneficial for me right now as a junior because my boss is in direct communication with us and very open with us. So there is a lot of back and forth from us as the artists and also the clients, the people who are creating these shows. Like I said, it is very interesting how you jumped or explored different fields within SEAT. So was there an experience during your SEAT journey where you started to have interest in compositing, where you feel like, okay, this is what I'm passionate about, So was there a sudden realization that this is where I'm heading to? There isn't really like a moment that I can pinpoint. I think that I really just tried to embrace every sort of every experience that I was having in Seattle through once again, like co-op study abroad and volunteering at various things such as like TEDxSFU. And that was like one of those moments where I realized because I was working in like the graphic design roles at TEDx. And then I started moving up in the leadership roles as well. And I realized that I like the leadership side of things more than the graphic design side of things. I guess that's one of the moments that kind of pivoted me to kind of reevaluate what it is that I'm interested in. So when I took the compositing course, and I also took the animation course in Seattle, and those were the two that I really resonated with because I also wanted to be an animator forever my whole life. But animation didn't click with me. So I was trying to figure out how can I still make it into the film industry and the industry that I am interested in, but still be able to do what I like and what I'm good at. And I thought that compositing was sort of the perfect mix because it reminds me a lot of Seattle in the sense that it's that combination of being creative, but also having the technical side of things. I really honestly just sort of took a leap when I did the certificate for compositing. I didn't know if I would like it or not. Being completely transparent, I was scared. I didn't know if I would be wasting my time or not. But, you know, I I just had to go through it. I had to take that step and realize that it is something that I really enjoy. And I've been having a really great time. And, you know, work is not work when you love what you're doing, as cliche as that sounds. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
As long as you love what you're doing, it feels rewarding. Did you prepare or learn anything before becoming a compositor besides taking CR courses? Aside from taking the certificate, which sort of gave me the technical skills needed, I think that one of the things that really helped me break into the industry fairly quickly is what my boss told me when he hired me and he said, hey, Sarah, you might not have, you know, the you're not that advanced in the technical side of things as I am a junior in the field, but you have a lot of life experience and that's why we trust to hire you. As I mentioned previously, all of the various things that I've done throughout SIAT and throughout my life and trying to find opportunities where I could volunteer, learn different things, not just volunteer in graphic design, but volunteer in different areas as well. That sort of helped me understand how it is to work, work with various people, how to develop a work ethic as well. And I think that's what helped me get into and be comfortable starting as a junior, but I don't feel like a junior aside from the technical side of things. That's nice to know. I think joining an industry like this where technical skills are really needed, oftentimes we don't realize that we're using and gaining life skills and experiences. So it's also useful to have that. Furthermore, were there any particular skills or knowledge that you learned in SIAT that instilled in you and, of course, has helped you in your career? Countless soft skills and technical skills, I think. Like I mentioned, we learn so much and we learn so many different things and different programs and everything around that. So a lot of what I learned in Seattle is what helped me be successful in my compositing program at school because everything is transferable. And one of the things that we really learned is to be able to pick up new softwares quickly and be adaptable. It was my first time using the compositing software, but it didn't feel like alien to me because I've used, you know, Adobe and, and every other program that we learn in school. But when it comes to soft skills, for sure, I think Seattle is very fast paced, very collaborative as well. Um, so those are two things that really helped me as well. And yeah, developing that work ethic, I think is really important because it carries on to professional life too. And you'll notice that very quickly, um, you know, kind of like, how involved you are as a student and how passionate you are about that and how that relates to how you're going to be when you actually start to work professionally. Mm -hmm, yeah, I think SIAT does a pretty good job with that. For instance, with group projects, not only do you learn the basic technical skills, but also other kinds like cooperation, communication, problem solving, which you can apply in the future. An interesting question I wanted to ask is, if you were to meet your younger self who is currently studying in SEAT, what is one piece of advice you could give to her or you wish she knew? I think one of the biggest things I learned through SEAT and reflecting is that I did a lot very quickly and I tried to do like everything and I thought that if I didn't do everything, I would be missing out on some opportunity or something like that. I was really just like, go, go, go all the time. And I burnt out really bad towards the end of like, towards my third year, I would say I just like gave up and I just became like a totally different person. And I really had to step back and realize like, why 
am I doing all of these things like volunteering, taking on different things on top of school, taking all these classes? I really took a step back and thought like, what am I actually interested in and what am I passionate about? I need to focus on those things that matter to me and not just try to do everything I can and fill up every single hour of my day. I guess tell myself to just like slow down and trust the process. Things always work out and you don't have to have every single experience to have every single opportunity open for you. You just need to find the one that's right for you and the opportunities will be there. Yeah, I definitely understand that. Everyone around me is doing co-op, volunteering, joining clubs, and you just hear stories of graduates joining big companies. And I feel like I'm missing out. So there's this pressure to do the same thing. I like your advice on just taking things slow at your own pace and not pushing yourself to the limit because if you're forcing yourself, you will not enjoy what you're doing. It is no surprise that the creative fields such as the tech, design, and film industries are growing because it plays a major role in our everyday lives. This also means that even though there are plenty of opportunities, it can be really competitive because there are a lot of creative and talented people joining the field. As a creative person yourself, how do you put yourself out there? And how were you able to stand out amongst a crowd of creatives? How do you showcase your talent and your skills? When you talk about creativity, that's something that I struggled with a lot. And one of the reasons that I realized graphic design wasn't for me is because I would look around and see everybody else's work and be like, wow, they are so much more talented than I am. And I was having really bad imposter syndrome. I think that what's important is, as cliche as it is, is like the technical skills will come and you will learn and you can always expand on that and improve on those. But I think what's more important is to develop those relationships and network and work on yourself and making sure that you're the best team member you could be. I think that that's what made me successful because I had my job lined up about a week before I graduated from my compositing school. And that's because I made really good connections with my teachers who were industry professionals. And through creating those relationships, my teachers were able to sort of vouch for me and put me out there as well, along with my own efforts, of course. But it was really helpful to have somebody who like started a VFX studio, be like, hey, this is Sarah. I worked with her and I had a great experience working with her in this school and she would be a good team member. That was so much more valuable than me being the best compositor in school. So I think it's really important to to be able to work on yourself because I think that's what gets you the furthest in life is being able to build genuine relationships with your coworkers and your collaborators. That kind of also goes with the saying, work smarter, not harder, because it's not all about producing the best work, but more so of getting into the field through other means, like building relationships and networks. Do you think that having a great portfolio or having tons of experience is necessary to be able to get the best job you can find out there in the field? Or is it something else? 
or is it a bit of both such as possessing good qualities and skills and building networks i have a portfolio and i have a demo reel so i've done sort of both sides of the coin i think it's a combination of both you definitely want to be able to speak for yourself through your portfolio and your demo reel to be able to build that like first bridge of a connection but again i think that what's even more valuable than that is being able to prove that like you're a good communicator i think it's really important to sort of build networks and connections because sometimes they won't even look at your portfolio as long as they trust who you are and what you can do and that you don't have to be the shining star of the team you just have to be able to contribute meaningfully and that can be as big or as small of a contribution as long as you're a good team player and people like you and you are having fun and building those connections i think that takes you a lot further than having the best most shiny portfolio out there were there any challenges or struggles you have faced throughout the journey of getting to where you are now well, one of the biggest struggles for me was finding what i'm passionate about and actually like focusing on that because i'm the kind of person who wants to do everything and once i finish one thing i want to move on to the next and then on to the next but really being able to sort of settle down into like one industry was tough for me to like commit to that but once i did made me a lot happier than being on the go all the time like i mentioned earlier i was always just like doing everything and just being too burnt out. So that was definitely one of the hardest things I had to overcome when it came to settling down into a career and not having sort of Seattle where I could continue to explore forever. What do you think is the best advice you could give to someone who is trying to find what they really want in life? Just like you said, it took you a very long time to get to where you are now. So what is one piece of advice you could give to someone who is currently going through that phase? I'll give a cliche quote, but this is a quote that I had actually printed out and had on my first day of my first co-op. And the quote goes, "Nobody tells this to people who are beginners. I wish someone told me. All of us who do creative work, we get into it because we have good taste, but there is this gap. For the first couple of years you make stuff, it's just not that good." It's trying to be it has potential but your taste is what is killer and your taste is why your work disappoints you at times. A lot of people never get past this phase and they quit. Most people who I know who do creative work went through years of this. Our work doesn't have this special thing that we want it to have. We all go through this and if you're just getting started or if you're still in this phase, you got to know that it's normal. And the most important thing you can do is a lot of work. It is only by going through a volume of work that you will close that gap and your work will be as good as your ambitions. It's going to take a while. You've got to fight your way through it. So that quote really resonated with me. Well, it's more like a paragraph, but it really resonated with me because uh, as you can see throughout this conversation, I've done a lot and I've gone through that volume of work, whether it was just in graphic design or just in life and experiencing different things. and that helps you realize what you like and what you don't like and also helps you be more confident in yourself and trust that the imposter syndrome is just that and it's not who you actually are and when you're not happy with your work 
That's just an indication that you know that it can be better. And that's what's more important than it being at the best final stage. And with creative work, it's never perfect. I think we can all have experienced that you could keep working on something forever and ever and ever until your last breath. But there comes a point where you have to decide this is enough and this is good. And what we have in my industry is something that they call could be better. So that's when a shot gets finaled and it's approved, but it also could be better. But it could always could be better forever and ever and ever. So I think it's really important just to trust your work and be confident in what you're doing. Even if you aren't confident in your work, pretend like you are. And most of the time, people don't even notice the tiny little things that you're fixated on. That is true. If you don't say anything, they wouldn't notice it until you point it out. Following up on that, in terms of creativity and skills, how do you avoid comparing yourself to others? I myself experienced this, especially as a designer. I would look through hundreds and hundreds of portfolios and see their work. Then it would feel like I haven't accomplished as much as they have, so it feels very intimidating. But at the same time, this gives you the inspiration and motivation to work harder and build a better version of yourself. So how do you combat that self-doubt and build creative confidence? It is really hard. And I think in simple terms, it's fake it till you make it. But, you know, even when I was in a leadership role in the creative world, being the creative director at TEDx, I was looking at my coordinators and I was like, wow, these people are way more talented than I am. What am I doing here in the leadership position? And it really scared me and it made me feel really uncomfortable. But I think that was good in a way. And yeah, just looking at like, you know, people on co-op and the amazing co-ops that they get and their journeys, it, it can be hard to be like, well, why isn't this my journey? I think that everything happens for a reason and everything comes like when I was starting to work for my second co-op I got the job offer and I thought about it for the entire what is it 48 hours or 24 hours I thought about it till the last minute because I said well this isn't as flashy as the big you know Microsoft or Google co-ops should I hold off and should I decline this position and wait for something quote unquote better but you don't know if that would even be better for you. I think that's one of the things that I learned is that I don't think that those positions that I envied my peers having, I don't think that they would have been the right roles for me. And I learned so much more in my second co-op than I think I could have in those companies that I was envying. So I think it's really important just to trust yourself and trust what path you're on because you will learn something regardless. Even if it's not the thing you were expecting to learn, you'll learn a hundred other things that you didn't know you could even learn. I think that that helped me realize that like I'm on my own journey. It's like only mine and I don't share it with anyone else. And that's also really cool. Like having a unique journey is awesome. And being able to tell people about your experiences and telling people like, hey, I'm a compositor. And most people go, what is that? That sounds cool. I don't know what it is. And that's been really fun for me. And, you know, I eventually got to the point in my life that I want to be at. And 
it took five years in SEAD and another year after that, but it wasn't wasted time. It was all building to this point. You just don't know that the point is there yet when you're in the moment. That reminds me of another quote I read that talks about how we are our own main characters and how we have our own journey. How do you acknowledge feedback and constructive criticism, whether that may be about your skills or your project? It's important to remember that, yeah, like things always could be better. Being in a creative field, it it can be hard. And I acknowledge that when you are putting your soul into your work and you think it's the best thing ever and you give it to somebody and it's not exactly what, what they had envisioned. You know, sometimes you take it personally, but I think it's important just to keep like moving forward and you know it's not because they don't like you or they don't like your work but it might just not be what is needed for that particular project or for that moment and that's okay you know it's definitely something that I think that everybody needs to be open to and you kind of have to if you're going to survive in the industry because you're never going to be perfect at everything you're always going to have room to be better so I think it's just like you know to take it in that way and to remember that you know it's not about you it's about what the group needs or what the project needs and sort of thinking about it that way I think helps put the pressure off of yourself. I'm curious to know if you have received a specific constructive criticism that you took to heart did you experience something like that? So my second co-op was at Fraser Health At the time, I was the only designer on the team, and I started working at Fraser Health two months after the pandemic had hit, and, you know, everybody was in panic mode, of course, but when I joined, it was, at the time, it was transitioning into what they referred to as phase two, and it was my first week on the job. I was still training, and I was looking at my, the co-op student before me who was training me. And I was like, wow, my boss really likes him. You know, he seems like he's going to be really missed. I don't know how I'm going to fill these shoes. And in that like first or second week of my co-op, I was tasked to rebrand all of their communication materials to reflect that change into phase two. And I did not know my supervisor. I did not know really the brand yet. I wasn't comfortable with it. And I just went in and did some things and showed like a million options for the rebrand. And I just like, it was all canceled. Like instantly she was like, this is totally not what we were like, what we're looking for. I was like, wow. Okay. Like, I feel like I'm failing right now. And like, why did they hire me? But it was through that like communication and like getting to know my supervisor and the company And sort of having that open dialogue that I realized, okay, like, this is the direction I need to go and pivot to. And it worked out really well. And we worked together to come up with something that was pretty successful. But yeah, that first moment of like, sending, like, it was kind of the first time that my supervisor was looking at my work. And there was so much like writing on it. It was really scary. And it didn't go as I had hoped. But that's how you learn, right? You need to have that open dialogue with the people involved. And that's what helps you grow as a designer and grow as a team member and as a person. 
Is it different receiving constructive criticism from your work than in doing CED projects? I would say, honestly, the biggest difference is just like my outlook now, because I, I have gone through all of that and I have learned to not take it a certain way. And going through SEAT really helped that because of the constant feedback and constructive criticism that we do receive. You know, this is a different industry. Being in film, sometimes things need to be perfect and need to look good. But again, I think it's just remembering that this is part of like a bigger picture. And it's not just about like me and my work and the one pixel that's off on my project. It's about how do we make this the best that we can for the bigger goal that we have. So I think that definitely it's my outlook change. Of course, it's different industries, different criticism, but no matter where you are in a creative field, could be better, but you got to be confident in what you are presenting, regardless of what stage you think it's in. Sometimes I deliver things that I think look bad and they get approved. So you never know. You just have to, yeah, continue sharing your work and continue being open as a person and as a designer, and that's what'll help you understand yourself and your work better. To summarize in a few words what we heard in this episode with Sarah, we learned that technical skills are necessary, but it is also important to create strong relationships and build networks to be able to grow in a competitive and booming creative industry. Another important thing we learned is to just believe in yourself and what you're capable of, not just as a designer, but also as a person, because you know yourself more than anyone else. Once again, thank you so much, Sarah, for joining me in this podcast episode. It was such a pleasure talking to you, and it was really great to learn more about you and your journey from a CS student to becoming a compositor. Thank you, Chloe, for inviting me to be a guest on your awesome podcast. And hopefully whoever is listening can take a little bit away from what I talked about today. And hopefully that you guys will resonate with a little part of my story. And yeah, thank you. And to our audience, thank you for listening to this episode of After School with your host, Chloe Narcis Velasquez, and our amazing guest, Sarah Milosavic. I hope you enjoyed our discussion and got a few tips that you could use and take note for the future. Bye, everyone. After School is a podcast project from Simon Fraser University's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology. The After School podcast is created by Tessa Arsenault, Emma Keeler-Duga, Stacey Coplin, myself, Paige Smith, and each of our student hosts. You can learn more about SFU's Faculty of Communication, Art, and Technology at our website, sfu.ca slash fcat. And you can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn with our handle fcat at SFU. That's fcat at SFU. You can learn more about SFU School of Interactive Art and Technology at sfu.ca slash siat. And you can follow them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at siatsfu.com.